ever uh, done something that really was big? I mean, something that uh, deeply hurts you, caused a lot of pain in your life, as well as caused a lot of pain in other people's lives. And as you reflect upon it, you just wish, oh, if I would have just not done that. And maybe you still feel guilty about it. Maybe you still feel weighted down by it this morning. Well, friends, that is not God's will for you. Because if you are a child of God, you have been forgiven by God for all of your sins. And you stand holy uh, before Him. And He doesn't want you to carry that baggage around anymore. But it's so tough for us. It's so tough for us to shake uh, those failures in our life. The times when we've really disappointed God. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the story we're going to talk about today. Talking about Peter's darkest day. Is the fact that Peter's sin, you know, the depth of Peter's sin was matched by the, the death of God's grace. It's so comforting, it's so encouraging to see how Jesus Christ discipled Peter through the darkest day of his life. So we're continuing in our series, Jesus Christ, Disciple Maker, and specifically how he discipled Peter, how he helped him to develop into the leader that he was. So let's take a look at uh, our notes. If you could take out the green sheet. And always I want to encourage you to be a disciple maker. As you listen to this message, take down notes as if you were to teach it to somebody. In fact, I was reading some material this past week that stated, as we all know, but it was good to be reminded of the fact that when you write something down, of course, it's going to stick longer up here in your noggin. And then, when you tell someone else, that's even more powerful. When you share what you have learned with someone else, it even becomes more a part of you. And, of course, they benefit as well. And that's the whole idea of discipling, that as you listen to this message, think about the person that you're discipling and how you can bring them through this material. And teach them these biblical principles. How you can uh, maybe dads gather your family around. And you and your wife can talk about this particular message. And pass uh, this truth on uh, to your kids. So we're going to start as the disciples. And Jesus left the Last Supper. And it says in uh, Matthew 26, 30, 32. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's a quote from Zechariah. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, the disciples had just come off Jesus Christ riding in Jerusalem on a donkey, and everybody saying, Hosanna. It was the first time that Jesus Christ allowed himself to publicly be recognized as their Messiah. So you're thinking the disciples are going, oh, wow, things are turning around finally. <laughs> you know, they're thinking about the political positions, things of that nature. And then he says, hey, tonight you're all going to take off. 
You're all going to desert me. And the prophecy there, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But then he says, I'm coming back and I will go before you to Galilee. Now, they never quite understood that. <laughs> he told them multiple times, but they never understood it. They never understood that he was going to die and come back uh, to life. Now, Peter <laughs> jumps in here. And he says in verse 33, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Now remember, he said this before, right? And, uh, Jesus called him Satan uh, for saying this. <laughs> so he says, listen, Jesus, I, I understand these other guys. I mean, look at, look at Thomas over there. He's going to be the first to run, you know. He's always doubting. He has no confidence. But I'm the main man here. I'm the leader of the disciples. I am the one that you depend upon. I'm the strong one. I'm the one who leads the group. I, I'm the one who, who's done miracles. Remember, remember when I walked on the water? Huh? Wasn't that cool? I mean, that was me. Okay? So this is the way it's going to be. You know, we're the dynamic duo, the, the two amigos. And, and if you die, I'm going to die. So, so I'm with you all the way. You keep talking about this, but it's not going down this way. He's basically saying to God himself, you are wrong. That's pretty gutsy, isn't it? To tell God, you're wrong. It's not going to happen that way. I have a different plan for your life than you have. <laughs> it's going to be my way. We do that, don't we? We're going to talk about the path to pain as we look at Peter's life. Whenever we wander down the sinful trail, it's a path to pain. The first thing is we don't listen to God. We don't listen to God. Peter was never listening to Jesus when he was talking about his crucifixion, his death. And it's, it's puzzling because here we are, those of us who know Jesus Christ, we're children of God. We are His kids, and we have this unbelievable potential to grow. And to become more like Him. And to become holy. And we have the Holy Spirit within us. This new capacity to live for God in a way that people who don't know Jesus, they don't have it all. And He tells us how to live our lives right here in this book. And we look at it and we still don't obey Him. Even when He's pointing out certain things in our life. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. We, we can hear, but are we really listening? Are we going to apply it to our lives? For example, you look at the sin of jealousy. Very common sin, the sin of jealousy. Uh, you look at Facebook. I mean, that is something that can quickly lead you to the sin of jealousy, right? Nothing wrong with Facebook. I enjoy it as well. But you've got to be careful, because as you're looking at all these pictures of all these smiling people and what they're doing and where they're going and what they have, you can start to become very discontented with your life. And you become, can become very jealous of them, right? 
nobody posts pictures on Facebook of the recent family fight. And two people are yelling, oh, hold on, hold on, I want to share this, you know. Nobody takes a picture of somebody in your family who's just crying, who is so broken, who's so, you know, out of hope. Nobody takes pictures of that stuff. So we get a false reality on Facebook. We think, oh, look at their life. Well, I'll tell you what, there's pain in everybody's life. Again, Jesus says, don't be jealous. And probably for our own good. Right? Jealousy, it just leads to pain. But many times we do not listen, just like, just like Peter. Well, Jesus Christ responds to Peter in Matthew 26, verse 34. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, now he's focusing on Peter. Okay, Peter, you think you're so strong. Well, I'll tell you, this is what's going to go down with you. Now, did Peter say, oh, Jesus, what was I thinking? I mean, you're, you're God, and, and you know what's going to happen, and now you've told me that I'm even going to do things that are worse than maybe than the other disciples. Oh, thank you for telling me. <laughs> Now, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah what Peter said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was Peter's problem? <laughs> he was not listening. He was not listening to truth. Another problem that he had is that he wasn't trusting God. He wasn't trusting God. You see, there's self-confidence, and then there's God-confidence, right? Self-confidence taken to an extreme is that it's all dependent upon me, and I'm the one who's got to control everything, and I'm the one who's got to make things happen, and that's usually how we operate, and that's our sinful nature. But as we grow in holiness, what we want to do is become more confident in God, to build a God-confidence, and this was Peter's greatest weakness. He was prideful. He was arrogant. And you find that in a certain group of leaders. Uh, they have such great leadership strength that it's very difficult for them to trust in God because they're going to get it done one way or another. And, and you see, here's, here's the most important thing about this story. You say, well, why did this all happen? Why did Peter deny Jesus Christ? Well, in the end, is that Peter had to be broken in order to be the leader that he was at the early church. He had a real sinful pattern in his life of pride and arrogance. And he needed to go through this experience to break him of that self-confidence and instill in him a God-confidence. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says it all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make, your, make straight, straight your paths. <laughs> Peter, he was not trusting in God. He was leaning on his own understanding, his own plan for Jesus. He wasn't acknowledging Jesus at all. He wasn't listening to Him. Well, now we go to the garden scene. And Jesus Christ has brought his disciples there to the Garden of Gethsemane. He brings Peter, James, and John. Uh, and he was going to a great time 
of struggle, as we know. And so he asked him to watch and pray, to pray for him, because he was just under incredible amount of stress. And it says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Now, they were supposed to be praying, and they were sleeping, <laughs> okay? Uh, maybe because of stress, maybe because they just got done with a big Passover lamb dinner. That's a lot of meat, okay? But uh, they were sleeping, and he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Don't you see what I'm going through here? Can't you pick up the vibes of where I'm at emotionally? No. And then he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, isn't that so true? You know, we sit in a service, we hear a radio broadcast, listen to a uh, podcast, and we say, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's, I, I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to live for Jesus in that way, right? <laughs> our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And that's why we, we only want to do things through the power of the spirit, because that's what God desires. That's the only way we're going to do supernatural living. Well, he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. So, going back to the path of pain. Peter didn't listen to God. He didn't trust God. And he didn't pray to God. And it's the same pattern with us. Is that we don't listen to God sometimes. We don't trust God sometimes. We don't pray to God sometimes. And that really is... I would really encourage you to meditate upon this. You know, how much are you listening to God, trusting God, and praying to God? Because praying to God is the manifestation of trust. If you're trusting in God, I'll tell you what, you're praying to Him. You're reminding Him. <laughs> okay, I got this problem. <laughs> Just want to remind you, I need a lot of help here. I need a lot of support. I need a lot of wisdom. You know, it's interesting as you study First and Second Peter. He wrote near the end of his life. Just the beautiful lessons that he learned. In fact, 1 Peter 5a kind of came alive to me again this week. He says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now you see, Peter knew this principle. From personal experience. Satan almost destroyed him because he wasn't listening, he wasn't trusting, and he wasn't praying. He wasn't listening to Jesus, right? He wasn't keeping his eyes on Jesus. Then again in 1 Peter 4, 7, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled, and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That's how we need to live the Christian life. Because Satan is out there and he's looking for ways to trip us up and even to destroy us. What, what challenge have you been going through this past week? What issue has been on your mind? Something you've been trying to solve? Some frustration? Well, friends, one of the reasons God's allowed that in your life is in order for you to be driven to Him. 
<laughs> We've got no other options. Driven to God. Say, Lord, I have no idea what to do here. Oh, Lord, guide me, help me, comfort me, encourage me. And friends, as you look at this past week, and you think about that issue, think about how many times did I pray about that? And that will tell you how much God confidence you have. Or how much self-confidence you have. So I, I would just encourage you, exhort you, as you go throughout this week, is every time that issue comes into your mind, you just pray. That's what I, I, I do more and more. I just pray. I just go, go, go to God, right? And pray to Him. Because I want to build my God confidence. Well, now we go to the garden and uh, Judas comes up to betray Him. Verse 49. And He came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And He kissed Him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. This is quite a scene. You might have had up to 600 soldiers coming to arrest you. Jesus said, Why didn't you arrest me while I was in Jerusalem? And why did you come in the dark of the night? And I mean, you could have took me any time. You, you, you have just <laughs> a small army of soldiers here, okay? And so Peter, who's not been listening, who's not been trusting, who's not been praying, is now going to engage his plan. <laughs> he, he, he's going he's gonna to make it happen, right? Because he's self-confident. This is not, this is not uh, his plan for Jesus' life. So look at verse 51. And behold, one, who was Peter, of those who were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, his name was Malchus, and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for those who take the sword will perish by the sword. <laughs> if you kill somebody, Peter, you're going to die as well under the law. What was Peter thinking? I mean, yeah, these 12 disciples, <laughs> they had who knows how many soldiers there. I mean, he was kind of playing whack-a-mole. <laughs> you know? I mean, he was taking his sword and he was trying to cut the guy's head off, but he missed. And he took his ear off instead, which Jesus put back. What was he thinking? Ever ask yourself that question? After, you know, you failed in some area because you weren't, Listening and and trusting and praying. And you think, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, you, you were doing it yourself. You had a better plan than God. God's plan for you. Well, the other disciples ran for the hills, just as Jesus Christ had said. But Peter, we'll give some credit to Peter because he followed Jesus Christ because he wanted to see what happened. And again, remember, Peter loved Jesus Christ. Peter was so committed to Jesus Christ that was driving some of the sinful behavior in a sense that he wanted to protect him. Verse 57, And Noah would seize Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance and as far as a courtyard of the high priest. And, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see 
the end. So here is out in this courtyard uh, where three different illegal trials uh, took place uh, throughout the night. And he just wanted to see what was going to happen. Uh, verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, you were with Jesus the Galilean. And he denied it before them all, saying, Lord, saying, I do not know what you mean. Now, we have a servant girl. you got to remember, in the different Gospels, there's different things that were reported. That was, there's a crowd scene. I mean, people are talking, and, and what we see in the Gospels is just kind of a quick summary. So you can imagine these servant girls, you know, they wanted to get everybody's attention and say, hey, listen, I found one of them, you know. So, so she says this, you also are with Jesus of Galilee, but notice what it says, he, be not, he denied it before them all. So her, he's got everybody's attention, or she probably got everybody's attention in order to let her let them know that she had found uh, one of the disciples. And so she says, I found one. You, you were with Jesus. And then Peter says, I do not know what you mean. He did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He denied that he knew Jesus. He denied that he knew his friend. He denied that he knew the Messiah himself. Peter himself said, yes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And now he's saying, I don't know the guy. What leads a person to that point? When you're not listening to Jesus, when you're not trusting Jesus, and when you're not praying to Jesus. We all can go to the same place, right? Well, we go on to verse 71. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, so again, they're trying to get attention, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. This is even worse. Not only is he lying once, but he's lying twice. He's taking an oath. He says, I pledge, I'm telling the truth. I do not know the man. So he lies once when he says, I'm telling the truth, because he wasn't telling the truth. And then he says a lie. Is that the nature of sin? We just get deeper and deeper and deeper into it. In fact, in Mark, we see this is the first time that the rooster crowed. We don't know if uh, Peter heard it. But he nodded, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. The first time. Number 73. After a little while, while the bystanders, now they're coming up to him, a group of people. In fact, we know from other Gospels that this was a cousin of Malchus, the guy he took the ear off of. Just certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. know, he was from the farm country up in Galilee, and they had a certain accent. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. So it even gets worse. He starts to invoke a curse on himself, and he's saying, if I am lying, may God strike me dead. 
I mean, I mean, of course he was afraid. All the disciples were afraid that they'd be taken with Jesus and killed. They finally got the message. Oh, he's going to be killed, you know. Finally, they realized danger, danger, right? <laughs> this is going down. Now, Peter, through his own self-confidence, went a little further. And finally, he broke. He said, no, I do not know Jesus Christ. Then, in Luke, it's recorded. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. We don't know if he was looking in at a trial. Jesus turned to where Peter was looking in. We don't know if Jesus was passing through a certain area. But as soon as he said that, Jesus looked straight at him. What kind of look was that? It was a look of conviction. St. Peter, I told you. I told you this is the way it was going down. It also was a a look of compassion. He loved Peter. You've got to remember Jesus had emotions too, right? He was just like us. and I don't know. You wonder what was going through his head at that time. But he was feeling that here's Peter, you know. And now he's denied him. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. How he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, he will deny me three times. You see, he would have kept denying Christ. But he saw Jesus. And that's what he remembered. And friends, that's why it's so important that we we focus on Jesus. We focus on Him because He centers us. We walk with Jesus. We abide with Jesus. Because as we stay close to Him, it's going to keep us from temptation. It's going to keep us from not listening and not trusting and not praying. Verse 75, and Peter remembered the saying, Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The idea of bitter in the original language speaks of uh, audibly. I mean, he was just crying deeply and sobbing. And if you were around, you could hear him. Because he knew he had sinned. He knew that he did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. And at that point, he was broken. Now, it's interesting, Judas also cried, right? But those weren't tears of repentance. Those were tears of regret. And then he committed suicide. Peter, on the other hand, he, he cried, but he repented. He acknowledged that what he did was wrong. It was a sin against Jesus Christ. And that was the big difference there. And friends, when we sin, that, that is what it needs, that's what needs to take place is we need to come before the Lord and just repent and say, Oh God, I've sinned. 
and I was wrong, and I wasn't listening, and I wasn't trusting, and I wasn't praying. I just acknowledge the forgiveness you've already given, given me for that sin. That's what confession is, is just coming, being straight with God and saying, yes, I failed you in this way. Confessing your sins. He's already forgiven you for the sins, but it's so important you confess the sin to God in order, in order to restore that fellowship uh, with God. But you see, this is again what Peter needed. He needed to be broken of his arrogance. It's interesting in Luke 22, 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus told him, told him this a while back, and of course he wasn't listening. What does it mean to be sifted like wheat? Well, you see a picture here. Someone sifting wheat again, shaking out the chaff. And uh, Again, I mean, they put a lot of force and energy into that. So to be sifted like wheat is like Satan's going to, well, Satan wants to take you down. Satan wants to take you down, but then we go back to verse 31. It says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus knows we're so weak, right? And he's praying for us. He's interceding for us, the Bible says. He's, he's asking God the Father to help us. So he knew, he knew that Peter was going to turn around. He needed to go through this experience, but he knew that he was going to turn around. And once he came back, he was going to come back stronger with a God confidence instead of a self-confidence. And he was going to strengthen his brothers. Psalm 51, 17 sums it up. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. God is looking for brokenness. You really can't be used greatly of God until you've been broken. I've been broken many times. I'll continue to be broken. You remember a time in life when you were broken, when you, you were full of your own confidence and, and God brought you low in order, to, in order to bring you high? A sinful pattern in your life? Maybe right now you're in the middle of a situation. Not all situations are meant by God to break you, but some are. And maybe there's a, there's a sinful pattern in your life and and uh, you just continue in it and continue in it. And maybe it's, it's gotten to the point where it's one aspect of your life has fallen apart. And you're thinking, what's going on? And it could be that God is breaking you. It's not fun to be broken. No, no, no. It's very painful to be broken. Look at what Peter's reaction was. It's devastating to be broken. But again... Sometimes we need, we always need to be broken in different areas of our life in order to have God work in our lives. 
Because the one thing that we so misunderstand is seen in 2 Corinthians 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, if you really want to get in sync with Jesus, if you want to really make an impact, if you want to grow in holiness, uh, you've got to realize how weak you are first. You've got to get rid of those threads and fabric of self-confidence in your life that keep you from trusting God. I just, I just want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're going through a breaking process. And uh, Jesus is praying for you. And the most important thing for you to do right now, maybe you're still in a, an unrepentant state. And you're saying, hey, listen, I'm going to continue on this track because I think it's best for me. I'm not listening to God, I'm not trusting in God, and I'm not praying to God. And you're sitting here in this service, and you're just kind of not listening to me. Because the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door, and you'd like to get out of here. Oh, friends, please. Please, go to God and repent. Repent, because it's just going to get worse, as with Peter. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that you've given us to look at this story, this story that's recorded in the Gospels, that's been told over and over again for thousands of years. A story that's been such an encouragement to so many people because we all can relate to Peter. When we have our self-confidence, we're not listening, we're not trusting, and we're not praying. Lord, I pray for those here who are still stubborn in heart. They feel very uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And I pray that they would repent. I also pray for those people who realize they're broken. And in the midst of that brokenness, I pray that they would just receive your grace and your mercy. <laughs> they, they would just be reminded of how much you love them, how much you cherish them, no matter what they've done. Again, you want to be there for them and you want to help them to rebuild certain areas of their life. I pray that they would feel that grace, the same grace that Peter felt, as we'll study next week. You want to restore them, I pray that they would sense that. That would be true in their lives. In Christ's name, amen.